0: In case you're wondering who that was doing the uh, welcome, the announcements and the prayer, that was my twin brother. People are simply amazed at how much we look alike, but we don't act alike. <laughs> you know, there are certain times in your life when uh, you want to finish well. For example, uh, taking a college uh, end-of-the-semester final exam, you you want to finish well, Uh, or undergoing some major surgery, uh, you want to finish well, or take uh, riding an elevator from the 80th to the ground floor, you, you want to finish well, or suffering through an IRS audit, you, you want to finish well, uh, skydiving you you definitely want to finish well, or when you are preaching the final message of a six part series on the life of David, you especially want to finish well finishing well it 's the title of today 's sermon. And we've come to the sixth and final message of our summer preaching series titled A Heart After God, David in the Psalms. And today we're going to be taking a final look at the life of David, specifically at the end of his life. And as we've been doing throughout this series, uh, we're going to look at David not only through the lens of the poetic literature of the Psalms, but today we're also going to be looking at David through the historical narrative of 1 Chronicles as well. And it's through the historical narrative that we have preserved for us as we've seen throughout this series certain events throughout David's life And yet it's in the Psalms that we have preserved for us his heart after God. Or as Yvette said momentarily ago, his heartfelt prayers. And the study of David's life is somewhat of a a conundrum that I have found going through this series. It appears that David's life, at least for me, is somewhat seems to be a somewhat of a contradiction. On the one hand, David is the only character in Scripture to be referred to as a man after God's own heart, both in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and in Acts chapter 13. And on the other hand, though David is a man after God's own heart, we also read about David's indiscretions, his committing adultery and being complicit in murder. And these were not sins that were committed out of an ignorance of not knowing right from wrong, but these were sins that were committed in the emotion of the moment by David failing to consider The consequences of his actions. You know, I can remember as an adolescent young boy uh, getting in trouble, and whenever I had to face my dad for whatever it was that I had done, I can so clearly remember my dad telling me, "'You fail to consider the consequences of your actions.'" You fail to consider the consequences of your actions. And I suffered those consequences. And so did David. And as we've established before in this series, David being a man after God's own heart, it does not mean that David lived a life of perfection. No, far from it because that's impossible. Only the God-man, Jesus Christ, while he was fully God and yet at the same time fully man, could live and did live a life of sinless perfection. Not so for you or for me. What does it mean then to be a man or a woman after God's own heart? It means having a heart that is sensitive to the things of God. It means caring about the things that God cares about. It means seeing as important the things that God sees as being important. And so what we're going to see today is how David, a man after God's own heart, finished well. He was a broken man, and yet he finished well. We're going to take a look at what David did and what David said that serves as an inspiration for you and for me to seek to finish well. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 78. This is a psalm that provides a historical narrative of sorts of the nation of Israel. It's a rather lengthy psalm. And so we are not going to be going through this entire psalm, just the end of the psalm. The psalm is a sad recounting of the number of times that the nation of Israel strayed from God. And yet at the same time, it's an encouraging reminder of God's faithfulness. In spite of the nation's repeated unfaithfulness, and just the same for you and me today, that in our unfaithfulness to God, God always proves himself to be faithful to us. Like the nation of Israel, the story of David's life is not just a story of a series of events that take place in the life of David or the things that David has done. No, it's the story more so of what God has done in keeping his covenant faithfulness with his People And though Psalm 78 was not written by David, the psalm does tell us some significant things about David. And so we're going to look only at that part of the psalm, verses 70 through 72. Let's read Psalm 78 in verses 70 to 72. It reads as follows. He also, that being God, chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from the care of the ewes with suckling lambs he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands. Notice there that the writer of the psalm says, God chose David. Or as Paul says over in Acts chapter 13, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do my will. Why did God choose David? I mean, after all, David is the youngest of the eight sons of their father, Jesse. And in the Old Testament economy, it was the eldest son who was the one to receive the family birthright. David is not only the youngest, but he is probably only about 14 years old at the time that he is anointed by the prophet Samuel to become Israel's second king following King Saul. And it would be another few years before he would actually succeed Saul to the throne. You see, Samuel had previously told Saul in light of Saul's failure to keep the commandments of the Lord that Saul's kingdom will not endure. Uh, Acts chapter 7, we see Stephen saying, The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has appointed him as ruler over his people. And I find it very interesting that God here, in searching out David, this young, perhaps 14 years old, that apparently even in this young adolescent, as a young teenager, that God would see him as a man after God's heart. You see, God does not measure us according to our age. He measures us according to our heart for him. And so it is that Stephen would say that David found favor in God's sight that David found unmerited favor grace in the sight of God and notice too that the psalmist goes on to say that as God has called David and as he takes him from shepherding his father's sheep it says that he did so so that David would shepherd Jacob his people, and Israel, his inheritance. You know, we're reminded here that these are, again, not just the events of David's life that we've been studying, but the focus of the events that God has orchestrated in the life of David to ultimately accomplish his goodwill and his good purpose. And we see here again that it is God, the one, who is choosing David. Um, You know, tending sheep in that day was considered to be the lowliest of jobs. And yet, the lowliest of jobs, God would even use that in preparing David for an even greater work ahead as Israel's greatest leader. You know, in God's economy, nothing gets wasted. There's nothing left on the cutting room floor, is there? You know, I don't know if uh, you're familiar with Bob Buford, who wrote two books, Halftime and the other one, Game Plan. And reading that book, Halftime, I read that and thought, this is the story of my life. Because his premise in that book is that God uses the first half of our life to prepare us for an even greater work in the second half of our life. And so it is that he's working with this young boy, David, as he's tending sheep. Think of the things that David learned about God while he was shepherding his father's sheep both day and night. You know, the nights were probably spent as the sheep slept, and uh, he was probably looking at, in some times, a, uh, a, a moonless sky that is just filled with a multitude of stars. And so it is that, that as, as David would sit there and contemplate the creation and the Creator, more importantly, that one day He would be prompted to sit down and to write, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is all the earth, Is Your name in all the earth, who have displayed Your splendor above the heavens. When I consider Your heavens, the work of Your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Even as a young boy, think of what David learned while feeding and protecting and leading and caring for his father's sheep, such that one day he would write, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He would write that in Psalm 23. But here in Psalm 78, the psalm we're looking at today, it says that David would shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. And it's under David's leadership that the divided nation would once again become a united kingdom. It says that he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and that he guided them with skillful hands. The Hebrew word here for integrity has with it the idea of completeness or wholeness. It means to be blameless, upright, or sincere. You know, Pastor Tony Evans of Oak Cliff Bible Church in Dallas says, Integrity has to do with more than just your outward behavior. It has to do with who you are when nobody else is around, when no one else is looking. And the psalm says that David shepherded God's people according to the integrity or the sincerity of his heart as a man after God's own heart. The psalm goes on to say that he guided God's people with skillful hands. The meaning of this Hebrew word translated as skillful has behind it the idea that David did so with understanding, with discernment, with reasoning. What the psalmist is saying here is is that David is a man of both character and competence. I've got to share with you that whenever we have a search for not just pastors to fill a pastoral position here at Wayside, but even staff, is that this is the prayer that I always encourage those who are involved in the search to pray for, that God would raise up those individuals who would shepherd in their own respective area with the integrity of heart and that they would guide within their area of responsibility according to skillfulness of hands, that they would be people of character and of competence. It's interesting here that there's a, literal, a literary parallelism that's used here. Because the term shepherded is explained by the word guided. Both refer to leading people. And as a leader, how was it that David shepherded the people? Well, he did so by guiding them, by providing them leadership. Reading what it says in Psalm 78 then would seem to imply that David finished well. And in First Chronicles chapters, 20, chapters 28 and 29, we in fact see David finishing well. And I invite you to turn over to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. We see him finishing well. We see him at the end of his life. He has reigned as Israel's greatest king for 40 years, seven of those years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. He's some 70 years old at this point. And so David, one who shepherded his people according to the integrity of his heart, and who guided his people according to his skillful hands. How was it then that David finished well? Well, we see right here in the first eight verses, and what we're going to see in these two chapters is David in his the closing moments, the closing act of his life, as he addresses the leaders of Israel, as he addresses his son Solomon, and as he addresses his Lord God, we see David giving us an example of one who finished well. Chapter 28 in verse 1, now David assembled at Jerusalem all the officials of Israel the princes of the tribes and the commanders of the divisions that served the king and the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds and the overseers of all the property and livestock belonging to the king and his sons, with the officials and the mighty men, even all the valiant men. So we see all of the leaders who are serving under David. Um, It's estimated that this could have numbered somewhere in the neighborhood of 30,000 people gathered here for this event. And it says that King David rose to his feet and said, "'Listen to me, my brethren and my people.'" I had intended to build a permanent home for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. So I had made preparations to build it, but God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you are a man of war and have shed bloodshed. Have shed blood. David is confessing to the people. You know, I had this dream. I had this dream to build a house for God. And yet the Lord said, No. The Lord said, No. You are not the man to build my house. For you are a man of bloodshed. And David was a man of bloodshed because David was fighting God's wars for him, in serving him. And yet God would say, you're not the man. That the man who is going to build my house will be a man of peace. He goes on, he says, "'Yet the Lord, the God of Israel, chose me from all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen Judah to be a leader, and in the house of Judah, my father's house, and among the sons of my father, he took pleasure in me to make me king over all Israel.'" He says of all my sons for the Lord has given to me many sons. He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me your son Solomon is the one who shall build my house and my courts for I have chosen him to be a son to me and I will be a father to him. I will establish his kingdom forever if he resolutely performs my commandments and my ordinances as is done now. So now, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek after all the commandments of the Lord your God, so that you may possess the good land and bequeath it, to your sons after you forever. David is finishing well. David is being willing to give up one of his own dreams. And he's willing to do that for an even greater dream that God has. You know, David... Had a sense of mission and purpose, didn't he, in his life? To lead God's people, the nation of Israel. He had a sense of mission and purpose in much the same way that Moses did in leading the nation out of the slavery of Egypt. In much the same way that Nehemiah had a sense of mission and purpose for his life in returning to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls of the city. A sense of mission and purpose that Paul had in taking the the gospel specifically to the Gentiles. And a sense of mission and purpose that we see in the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry who said, I came to do the will of the one who sent me. What dreams have you had to give up? Or what dreams are you perhaps unwilling to give up? You know, Patsy Claremont, and I almost have to explain this. Uh, This is out of the Women of Faith Study Bible, which I don't typically read, but it's my wife's Bible. But I happened to come across this, and I thought it was so good. Ever wish you could start over? You ever wish you could start over in your life? Probably all of us have longed for another chance in some area of our lives. We wouldn't necessarily have done things differently, just more or perhaps less. The truth is, we can't go back, only forward into uncharted territory. To sit in sorrow would lead to misery, Although regret that leads to change is a dear friend, regret that leads to shame is a treacherous enemy. So how do we live without allowing regret to rob us of our joy? How about this insight to prompt us on, quote, and lean not on your own understanding? Proverbs 3, 5. There is no guarantee that if we had done a part of our lives differently, things would end up any different. We have to trust the God of the universe who directs the outcome of all things that he will do that which ultimately needs to be done in spite of us if necessary. See, David is finishing well. We don't read of a bitterness here, of David having a pity party that I don't get to build the temple. And we know by his instructions here that he has spent years gathering together the wealth of the materials for the project. And yet David is willing to finish well of saying that God has told me that's not part of my mission and my purpose. David also finishes well in his words to his son Solomon. Look in verse 9. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be courageous and act. He also addresses Solomon again over in verse 20. Then David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and act. He repeats that. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. David, in finishing well, he is giving exhortations here to his son Solomon. there within the hearing of those gathered together. And he gives both positive exhortations. He says, be strong, Solomon. Be courageous, Solomon. And then just the single word, act. Act. Do something then he also gives negative exhortations. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. But he gives Solomon the basis for both these positive and negative exhortations. He reminds him the Lord God is with you. That the Lord God will not fail you. That the Lord God will not forsake you. What is the heritage that you are passing on to your children or perhaps your grandchildren? What are the words that you have or do share with them in seeking to finish well? Chuck Swindoll says in his book, David, a man of passion and destiny, if you could pull your child aside before you died, and give him or her one piece of advice regarding life, what would that advice be? Or perhaps more importantly, fathers and mothers, what advice are you passing on right now? What character and lifestyle are you investing in them? You know, our daughter Susanna, when she graduated from San Antonio Christian Schools, her senior year in the spring, they have a, a senior retreat up at t up here in New Braunfels. And on the second night of the retreat, the parents are invited to come up and spend the evening and a dinner with the faculty and with their senior students. And one of the things that they did Susanna's years, and maybe some of you have experienced this, was that they had an open mic, and the seniors would parade in front of that mic. And the question put to the kids was, what things will you always remember your parents saying to you? And some of them were just absolutely hilarious. But I'll never forget our daughter Susanna walking in front of the mic and saying, I will always remember, whenever I walked out the door to go somewhere, my mother always saying, remember whose child you are. Remember whose child you are. And we still share that with our grown kids today. As a matter of fact, Kathy and I took a trip to see our daughter in San Diego and then made a detour and went and saw her daughter in New York and... I was letting the kids, uh, Johnny, of course Susanna knew because she's here in San Antonio, but I texted Johnny, our our itinerary, he's up in Austin, and Johnny texted back the night before he left, Dad, remember whose parents you are. (laughs) What goes around comes around. David finished well with his words. His exhortation to his son Solomon. But more importantly, we see here David finishing well with his God. If you look in chapter 29, David's prayer to God in verse 10. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hands is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this, for all things come from you, and from your hand we have given you. For we are sojourners before you and tenants, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand, and all is yours. Since I know, O my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things, so now with joy I have seen your people who are present here, make their offerings willingly to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you. And give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes and to do them all, and to build the temple for which I have made provision. Not a hint of self-centeredness, of man of great power and position and possessions. And yet the focus here is totally upon God and what God alone has done. David finishes well with his God. And so it is then that we read David's epitaph. In verse 28, it says that he died in a ripe old age, full of days, riches, and honor, and his son Solomon reigned in his place. David finished well. And oh, that the same would be said for each one of us seated here today. How is it that you and I can finish well? Well, I think that finishing well means starting well. Maybe not way back then, but maybe right now. In order to finish well, at some point you must begin and start well. And starting well means to start being the person that God intends you to be. You know, just as God was seeking out David for his goodwill, and his good purpose. What is it that God is looking for? We know that the writer of the Chronicle says, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Now, I don't think there's anyone here today who has purposely set out to ruin your life By making as many bad decisions as possible because you see god has set eternity in our heart god has given us a yearning to live lives of purpose and meaning lives that count for something and i venture to say that all of us want to finish well All of us would like to have it said of us as it was said of David. He or she served the purpose of God in their own generation. So I ask you, what is the purpose that you're fulfilling in your life and in your generation? And do you want to finish well? And as I said To finish well, at some point you have to start well. And starting well means starting with your relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not talking about here, nor did we see David trying to accomplish what he did by his own efforts. Because David understood very clearly, as we have seen in this series, that he was a sinner, that his sin had caused a separation between him and his God, and that his God provided the way of restored relationship, not only for David one day through Jesus Christ, but for you and for me today. If you know nothing of the Savior that I speak of, at the close of our service today, we're going to have prayer partners up front here to talk with you, to pray with you. And so I invite you as I close to come and to talk with us about starting well, starting well with Jesus Christ in order to that each one of us can finish well. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we are so, so humbled by the great grace and kindness that you have and that you continue to show to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Father, as we have seen today, like David, we want to be those who live life A life of purpose and meaning, accomplishing what it is that you have so wired us and cut us out to do that we might finish well. To the praise and glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. May the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ and remember there can only be peace when there is first grace. May the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Have a great day and a great week.